Hi, I'm Pastor Brad Inman, and you're listening to the Orange United Methodist Sermon Podcast. We're a church in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, that wants to help you find your place in God's story. And we hope this sermon can guide you along that journey. Visit orangemethodist.org to find out more information about location, service times, upcoming events, and ways to give. We hope you enjoy. Lord God, we thank you for the way that you speak to us. You speak in so many different ways to us. Sometimes we hear you through witnessing creation. Sometimes we hear you through the acts of love and kindness of a neighbor. You have spoken and your word has been handed down from generation to generation as we have received your holy word. We give thanks for the way that this morning we have received that word as it has been read. Now would you speak to us once again by the power of your Holy Spirit. Would you transform the words that proceed from my mouth and as they fall upon our ears and penetrate our hearts, may they be changed into the word of God that we need to hear today as individuals and collectively as one body. Lord, we pray this in the name of Jesus and through the power of the Holy Spirit. And all of God's people said, Amen. I have the opportunity to teach a Sunday school class, the Seekers Sunday school class. And right now we are meeting online virtually at 5 o'clock and on Sundays. And every Sunday at the end of our class, we have an opportunity to share our praises and our concerns. And a few scribes may be taking notes to see what all we need to share with the class. But then the question comes, Well, who would like to pray for us today? There's a couple in our class that it's usually going to be one of them. But a lot of times when that question is asked, who's going to pray for us today? You know what happens? Every head goes down. Or suddenly people look off camera like, oh, what's that? And they're acting as if something else is happening in the room. Because people are uncomfortable with praying. Prayer seems to be this thing that sometimes we're intimidated by. We don't know if we're saying the right things. I mean, it's best demonstrated in the movie that came out almost 21 years ago, believe it or not. Meet the Parents. In that particular movie, Greg is visiting with the parents of his fiance, And as he's there, Greg is Jewish and they know this. But still, as they're sitting down to eat supper... The father, who's portrayed by Robert De Niro, asked Greg to say the prayer. And Greg's uh, uh, friend, his fiance, says, well, Dad, Greg's Jewish. And he says, well, they pray too, don't they? And so Greg begins to offer these words. Oh, dear God, thank you. You're such a good God to us, a kind and gentle and accommodating God. And we thank you, O sweet, sweet Lord of hosts, for the smorgasbord you have lain, aptly lain at our table this day and each day, day by day, by day. (laughs) O dear Lord, these three things we pray, to love thee more dearly, to see thee more clearly, and to follow thee more nearly, day by day, by day. Amen. And they all react in the ways that you did. Well, that's unique. That's interesting. 
You know, because we're uncomfortable sometimes. We don't know what to say. And, and prayer is really such an intimate thing. It's really a personal conversation between you and God. And then when there's other people around, sometimes it feels like you've got people listening in to your private, intimate discussion that you're having with God, our Father. And so when we pray, a lot of times we just don't know the words to pray. And so as we're intimidated... We fall in line and we just try to offer simple words. And we get intimidated because maybe sometimes we've heard those people that offer a prayer that sounds like something that Shakespeare himself would have written. In one of my congregations, I had a retired pastor that was a part of the church, Reverend T.C. West. Reverend T.C. West was so eloquent in his prayers. I would have him offer a prayer in Bible study. I would occasionally have him help lead us in worship. And he would offer these prayers that would make me so intimidated to think, well, I'm never going to pray again out loud for other people to hear because I can't say anything. I mean, it would be beautiful. The words that would just roll off his tongue. It couldn't help me think about in James where the verse says that the prayers of a righteous man availeth much. And all I could think is, well, the prayers of Reverend T.C. West must availeth a whole lot more than mine because of how beautiful those prayers were. And so we get intimidated by what words do we pray? And so we fall into the line of trying to figure out what is it that we're supposed to pray. Now, Jewish rabbis used to have specific prayers that they would often teach their followers, their students. They would give them specific prayers for when they wake up in the morning, when they eat certain foods, certain grains and fruit, at spe special holidays that would have certain prayers to pray. We even have recorded that there's one prayer that was taught for observant Jews to pray when they use the restroom. And that's as far as we're going to go with that. So Jesus gives a model of a prayer. Right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, the most famous sermon ever preached, Matthew chapter 5 through 7. Read through that and you'll read the, uh, these words that Jesus gave right there on the side of this mountain. And you can picture Jesus preaching, proclaiming, teaching to all these people scattered outside the waters right behind them. You can just see it. You can hear it almost. And in the middle of that, prayer, that sermon, Jesus gives them a model, a model for a prayer. And when you pray, pray in this way. Now, Matthew and Luke are the only two Gospels that record the, the prayer that Jesus gives. And they give it in a little bit different way. They give it in different context. Matthew gives it here in the midst of uh, his Sermon on the Mount. Luke gives it in the context of the disciples asking Jesus how to pray at, there in Bethany. And, so, and they tell it in a little bit different ways. But i got to think about this. Sometimes my wife has to tell me something more than once before it sinks in. That may not be true for you. But I tell her I'm just hard of hearing, and she believes that it's I'm hard of listening instead of hearing. So Jesus probably had to tell them the same thing more than once. And when you tell it more than once, it may be a little bit different. And so as Matthew records it one way and Luke records it another way, it's okay that it's a little bit different. 
And so as he has this prayer, it's beautiful because it lays out this model, this formula for prayer. It begins with adoration of God. It, it adds on the acknowledgement of subjecting to his will. It asks petitions of him. And it ascribes prayer, a, a praise to him. And this Lord's Prayer has been something that we pray all the time. In fact, I think about that a little more than a year ago, as COVID-19 was beginning to hit the news and we were learning so much about it, one day I was hearing them say on the news that when you wash your hands, you should sing the song Happy Birthday twice. And I started thinking, well, I wonder how long it takes to pray the Lord's Prayer. And so I prayed the Lord's Prayer and timed it, and sure enough, the timing was right. And so I got on my computer and I made a Facebook post for Orange United Methodist Church about encouraging people instead of singing happy birthday twice while washing their hands, maybe they should pray the Lord's Prayer. And couldn't we all use a little bit of prayer right about now? That post from Orange United Methodist Church was shared 565 times. Thousands of people saw this, and I know that I began to practice it. I washed my hands. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. I, and, but I knew I couldn't pray it that fast. I had to slow down because I wanted to make sure I had the right amount of time. I prayed that prayer so many times over this past year that many times I found myself, you know what? I was saying words that were not connecting with the heart. They were here, but they weren't here. And you know, it's one of those sort of placeholder kind of prayers sometimes for us. When we don't know what else to say, we say that. I remember having a scan at the hospital one time, and they told me I had to hold my breath and stand or sit still, lay still, as I was put inside of that tube. And it's making all that racket and that noise, and, the only, and it was driving me nuts. And so the only thing I could do is take my deep breath and silently in my head pray the Lord's Prayer. And I was praying, and I meant it in that moment. But a lot of times we say it and we don't mean it. In fact, it convicted me one time in church. Years ago, it wasn't this church, clearly. But I was having an issue. I was, I was concerned with someone in the congregation that we had a disagreement. And it came to that point of praying that prayer. And I got to the line, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And I almost choked up on those words because I realized... I don't want God to forgive me in the way that I'm going to forgive somebody else. That, that's, that's not what I want. And so I stopped saying the Lord's Prayer for a period of time because it was something I was struggling with. Those words meant something to me. I think it's important for us to, to mean the words that we pray. And so we've been talking yeah, amongst the staff for, for over a year now about potentially doing the Lord's Prayer and breaking it up and to trying to look at what the different words and what it is that we pray and what it really means for us when we say those words so that hopefully when we pray the Lord's Prayer, each word has meaning for us. And so today, we are starting with our Father who art in heaven. Now, Jews of Jesus' day, they thought of God as Father uh, they thought of God as Father only more in the terms of sort of like the father of their race. Sort of a far-off, distant ancestor almost. That was their understanding of uh, God as Father. 
Now, Gentiles, they understood uh, they were, that a God would be far too removed to be concerned with human affairs. Sort of like a king who would have very little concern with the peasants. And so, thinking of God as Father was such a foreign idea for Gentiles. Because why would God, who am I, that God would even be concerned at all with me? In pagan mythology, the idea of God as Father was so far removed because the gods were often so mean and petty that humans would be afraid and want to keep their distance from any form of God. And so there on this hillside, Jesus gives them this model for prayer. And in fact, as, as Pastor Corey was reading, once again, it reads in these, this, these verses leading into the prayer. When you are praying, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. But do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask them, ask Him. And so pray in this way, our Father who art in heaven. I love that Jesus says, our Father. Now, we all know that He easily could have said, my Father. Father. He doesn't say your Father. He says our Father. He brings us all in together. And He gives us this understanding that God loves us as a Father. I think about as a Father my own son, of my two sons, Jacob and Aaron. They are 23 and 21. One is getting married in a few months. The other just spent his first night last night in Columbia, South Carolina, as he starts work on Monday. And as big as they have grown, both of them taller than me. You know what? I've loved them before they even knew it. I loved them before we even gave them that name. Before they could even look at me and say, Daddy, before they could even run to me when I would come to pick them up. I loved them. Long before any of those things, I loved them. Now let me ask you this. Do you love your wife, husbands? You better say yes. Do, wives, do you love your husband? Yes, yes, absolutely. Absolutely you love your spouse. You love your spouse because your spouse does something. Maybe it's the way that they treat you. Maybe it's the way they speak to you. Maybe it's the way they take out the trash or pick up their socks. You love your spouse many times because of something that they give or do for you. And if they stop doing those particular things, then that love begins to diminish many times. Our love of those spouses, it's a love that we choose. It's kind of like, do you love your mother or your father? You know, we love our parents because of what they have done for us. We've grown up and that's all we've known. We love what they have done for us. But when a child comes into the story, you love a child not because of what they're going to do for you. You love a child in spite of what they're going to do. That child is going to cause you hurt. That child is going to cause you pain, heartache, heartburn. That child does not care how tired you are in the middle of the night. That child does not care what you have to do the next day at work. That child knows that they need their mother or their father and they cry out. And mother or father, they come running. They come to be right 
there. It's not because of what the child has done for them. It's because of the love that the parent has for the child. And you know what? There's nothing, there is nothing that either one of my children could do to make me stop loving them. Oh, they're going to hurt. They're going to break, cause me heartbreak at times. There's going to be things that cause so many different hardships. Trust me, I know. I drove 10 hours moving Aaron to Columbia this past week. But you know what? I wouldn't trade it for anything. There's nothing I wouldn't do for my child. Now, let's go back. Jesus says, when you pray, pray in this way. Our Father. Do you understand what he's trying to teach? There's people there on that hillside. That when you pray... You're praying to a God that looks at you and loves you so much that there's nothing he wouldn't do. This God that seeks only to be in this relationship with you so much so. I look back throughout all the scriptures and I picture Jesus, a God walking there in the Garden of Eden. Walking with, seeking out Adam and Eve. Seeking this relationship. This God that calls to Moses from a burning bush This God that shows his presence with his people, leading them all through the wilderness, through the fire, and through the pillar of smoke. This God that seeks to be in relationship with his people, and even when they forsake him, even when they have turned away, God still will raise up a judge to deliver them, and to call them back into this relationship. This God that ultimately said, I will send my own son for all of humanity, For this relationship with him. When we pray our father. We're praying to one that looks upon you. And says you know what. I know everything you've done. I love you no matter what. This God that looks at you. In the middle of all your brokenness. In the middle of all your pain. And this God that says I am coming for you. I am right there for you. That's who God our father is. And when we pray. Our Father, don't jump to the rest of the prayer without thinking, first of all, as you're calling out to the one that loves you so much, is willing to lay down the life of his son for you. Our Father, who art in heaven. And that's the thing when we say, who art in heaven. Our God is not just some far off distant God, because later in the prayer we're going to talk about how we're trying to bring thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. As it is in heaven. Uniting this world of heaven and earth. It's this God that only seeks to be in this relationship with you. So this morning I hope you know. I hope you know that who you are. God loves you. God looks upon you. As at the heart of a father. And only seeks to hear from his child. You know, as parents, sometimes we wait for our children to call us, don't we? We kind of want to hear from them every now and then. Might send them a text, hey, hope you're doing well, and we're waiting for that reply. I picture this loving God up there that's just waiting. Every now and then we'll get one of those signs and think, could this be from God? Yes. God, our Father, let us always know God as That loving father that looks upon you and says, that's my child. There's nothing you could do to make him stop loving you. Let us pray.
Lord God Almighty, you are the God that we can cry out to. You're the God that seeks that relationship with us. And Lord, I thank you for the incredible love that has been demonstrated in the gift of Jesus Christ. I thank you for the way that he modeled this prayer for us so that when we pray to you, we can think about these words. And at a time that Jesus could have simply prayed, My Father, Lord, you told him to pray, Our Father. For we, too, are your children. And so, Lord, we thank you for your grace, for your mercy, and for all the ways that you demonstrate that love for us. And so, may we step into that relationship with you. May we, too, proclaim our Father. Lord, we pray this in the name of Jesus and through the power of the Holy Spirit and all of God's people said, Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. Please join us again next week. In the meantime, you can find us online at orangemethodist.org.